0: And the servant objected and he says, how can I set this before a hundred people? And it's like, there you go. Oh, you have little faith. And a lot of times we look at our life and we look at our situation like, man, how is this going to happen? How are we going to make it? How are we going to get through? Guess what? If you're listening to this podcast, you are being pulled through as we speak. God has not let you down yet. He has not gotten you through yet. And if you're going through your go through right now, it's because he's still pulling you through. So again, just another reminder for me. Yo, bro continue to give God your first you give me seven 70 700 I'm gonna give you my first I'm gonna give you I'm gonna you know give you 120 percent and I think that's something that many generations after us don't get give your first don't lack that faith because there's plenty for all of us. what's going on y'all welcome to another project whetstone podcast brought to you by blaze ministry 707 where our goal is to help shape and sharpen your faith by bringing our experience of growing up in the 707 while bringing it beyond those borders providing you all different perspectives theology philosophy and just practical ways that you can look at your faith, and implement your faith on a daily basis. I'm Bro Rye, and as always, I am accompanied with Brother Jeremy Mallet and Brother Carlo Terrell. What is going on, family?
1: Hello, hello. Mahalo.
0: (laughs) Yes, mahalo. And so we are in episode number 22. Can y'all believe it, man? Y'all can't, we can't lose with 22s. And again, we thank you for rocking with us and just for all of you joining us. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, be sure to use those timestamps. Skip around if you need to. Take your time with it. Let the word of God, let everything that we bring to this podcast just... Give you something to gnaw on, something to meditate on, something to contemplate on as, again, that's how we grow deeper in our relationship with God in those times of silence, in those times of contemplation. So we, we, again, we just hope to shape and sharpen you in that way. So what's going on, y'all? It is what? We are in the 17th Sunday, coming to the end of July. Can y'all believe that? We are like almost into the eighth month of the year, 2021. So yeah, how's how's everything going with y'all? Jay, how are you all acclimated to Texas? How's everything in Texas? Any now I know you had posted, bro, about feeling bad about like you were cheating on In and Out without Whataburger. <laughs> so has there been any other uh gems that you found in te- that's like only found in Texas they lately, food wise or anything else like that?
2: I'm loving the gas prices, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. What's the current gas the- price?
0: Yeah, what's the current gas price over there for you right now?
2: We just got gas today at was it 250
0: 255 9 I think 255 <laughs> and then bro CeeLo, what's it looking like in Fresno
1: If you go to a Chevron it's $4.30 oh. if you go to a Costco it's like
0: 370 Dang, so, and are we talking 87 or 89
1: 87 man
0: Bottom or 91 yeah bro okay and then we're at Costco South Carolina or Sam's Club right now rocking in at that 249 249 a gallon mark. So definitely feel you, bro, Jay. So it's all of our faith family out there in Cali. Our bad.
1: That's (laughs) that's why I'm getting an electric car soon. That's what the goal is. Yeah. And for
0: y'all who don't know, I'm going to tell y'all right now on this podcast officially, Rivian.com. Check them out. Brother Carlo put me on game. I don't know if I'm going to get one, but the Rivian. Uh, lineup is legit pickup trucks, SUVs, all electric, new technology coming out so hmm. speaking of which how do y'all how did y'all feel about Jeff Bezos going into space just curious what was your, your thoughts on did you watch it did you watch the replay did you not watch it I'm just curious to know like what your general thoughts are on this idea and just kind of everything that Jeff Bezos is doing with technology
2: Did he, oh did he already launch I didn't know he launched
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, i mean i yeah. know that there was a lot of talk about him my going g! Up, yeah he went out it was on tuesday was it yeah last tuesday he he ended up going up bro him and it was crazy because they had the oldest person and the youngest person so there was an 82 year old lady and then his 18 year old son that were also on the trip and uh, danielle and i actually watched it live and so you saw the Rivian Yeah man, it just It went straight up and was just, a lot of people were watching it And a lot of people were taking it Because there's this idea like This is one of the new Future ways to not travel But like have an experience And it went all the way up And it was like a, an almost 10 minute trip round trip You mean the whole All the way up and then all, all the way back down And it was cool because it landed on a par Like in a parachute, like in a little pod Brother slow. did you catch it at all or?
1: I did. I did. I didn't quite wake up and watch it live. Watched it on the replay. Watched all the interviews after. Mixed feelings on it. The nerdy part of me, the, the, the science nerd excited about it because one of the things that was mentioned was, I'm sure back when the Wright brothers were making their first plane, there was a lot of problems back then. But at the same time, just just the amount of money that is spent but on the other note this is where the mixed feelings comes in and i can't be sure that this wasn't a good positive pr on the part of of blue origin and bezos but what he did do after during the press conference was he awarded two individuals 100 million dollars each available to their charity or charities of choice and he chose uh, van jones And I believe the other guy was, I forgot his name. I know he's a, actually, let me look him up. Let's see here. But basically it was this chef who during disasters goes out and actually cooks and feeds people free of charge. So he gave banjos, who's a community activist and what's the other guy's name, Jose Andres, he gave those two guys a hundred million dollars each to give to whatever charity he said no strings attached and i already i'm a follower of van jones i think he's going to do a lot of good work with it and just based on what jose andres does in the community i'm sure he's going to do a lot of good work with that money so again there's the that mixed feeling where yeah it's good pr because everyone knows it doesn't pay much taxes but at the same time that's how business is done in the united states that's how money is made and until we have laws in place that make things happen out of, I doubt anyone's going to self penalize and just pay more money to the government. So again, mixed feelings, not set either way, but I will admit seeing that two individuals getting a hundred million dollars each for their charities of, you know, choice of charities, a lot of good work's going to be done with that money.
0: Absolutely, bro. And, And I think for me, one of the biggest takeaways and the way that it was being put on social media was geared towards a lot of young people in terms of, look at what we're doing, look at how far we're advancing. And if we can do this now, imagine what you're going to be able to do with your future. So I think there was like a lot of messaging around, hey, y'all, this was a vision that I had years ago or maybe never even had when I was younger, but now look and our hope and our intention is to inspire future generations to have that forward thinking, not even necessarily just in science, but just in the way we take care of each other and the way we use our resources. And I think, like you said, it's pretty sweet, right? Because all the money and 10 years in the making and how much was put into this where we know for what an 11 minute ride to into space and back down. Like we know that's going to be a very small percentage of people who can afford to do that. But it also, again, is proof of concept in in the sense that we can do things beyond our even wildest imagination. Cause if you would have told me that 10, 20, 30 years ago, yeah, whatever, there's going to be an opportunity for you to just go into space for a hot minute and then drop down on a pilot on a parachute. <laughs> it's something you couldn't fathom, but it's happening.
1: Yeah. And going back to the nerdy side of me, I recognize that this is how progress is made. That one person who's considered a bit of a, a fool goes after something they want, And I followed a little bit of Jeff Bezos' history growing up. The man came from a single-family household or single-parent household, his mom Raised him. They didn't have very much money. He was the valedictorian of his, of his class, so obviously he worked hard. And one of the things that stood out was his valedictorian speech was talking about going to space. And he originally, you know, wanted to go to college to, I believe it was, become a physicist. Went the route of doing business instead, and now he's the richest man in the world. Can I don't know if I could blame a guy who came from that background, who came from you know really humble background, and, and make things work for him and achieve that and and now he's paving the way for something that could potentially be a game changer for the human race who knows like what if and this is just completely in theory what if the cure to cancer has to be developed in zero gravity environments what if the only way to make the medicine to cure cancer has to be developed in a zero-G environment. And now we have a potential way through the private sector to get that stuff done. And, and again, this is what I've seen with scientists, it's always been some new discovery, usually really benign, initially believed to be benign, not really even seeing, no one can really tell the idea behind what it would be used for in the future ends up becoming a huge integral part of human society i.e the first x-ray was just an experiment and they found oh dude it's weird it puts a picture on this piece of paper when we strike a a copper piece of metal with an electron interesting what bounces off causes this weird thing and and now everyone gets an x-ray when they go to the dentist when they have a broken bone and so Just thinking about the potential of the progress that we made yesterday by making space travel a little more accessible to entities that aren't necessarily funded by the government. It it could do a lot of good, yeah. It could also do a lot of bad. But I think these are one of the things that we have to recognize that God allowed to happen. Maybe even God, I can't speak on behalf of God, but he allowed to happen or maybe even a push to happen. And and the progress is gonna be made. And I just hope that there could also be some or I guess the same amount of excitement towards taking care of people here on Earth as we have when it comes to getting into space.
0: And something that you mentioned, Brosi Law, that is actually gonna lead into just the theme of today's readings is that Jeff Bezos knew right from graduating high school, he wanted to go into space and he majored in being a physicist. But if you say Jeff Bezos right now, most people think Amazon and what was Amazon originally the very beginning of Amazon. It was selling used and even new books. (laughs) And he was not an author. That wasn't his goal. If you think about his high school vision and his high school dream, And what he went to for college, but look what he ended up really getting known for and building this business that allowed him to now go back into that science and go back into what he originally wanted to just reminds me of like how people change their majors. We know a lot of people who went to college and got a certain degree, but they don't even use that degree. They don't even work in that field. Like they just went a whole different route. I'm in a situation where ministry work serving and being that servant leader that I can in every situation is really still is where my heart is at. And, and the projects I'm doing working in the schools and elementary schools, but I'm taking on another project that is totally outside this industry in this space. And so some people might look at that, like Oh man, but this is what you do. And now you're doing that. I can be like, look at Jeff Bezos. He wanted to do this, but he ended up doing that. But then it brought him back his original dream. So if you're out there listening to this podcast and maybe you're in that weird kind of transition space, you don't know what God is calling you to do for your life. Maybe you got a degree in something that you were passionate for, but maybe it's not helping you with your current situation. Or maybe you just decided that it wasn't for you and you wanted to go a different route. That's okay. And the reason I say that it's okay is because God provides and he doesn't just provide for just our needs in the moments, but he provides abundantly because a lot of times I feel brother carlo and I would have many conversations about the scarcity mindset and how we behave because we believe that there's scarcity out there there's not enough versus just remembering that there is enough and some so if you're in just at that weird place or you're not sure where your career is going and maybe you want to Do something else. Maybe there is something else on your heart that is totally left field of what you're doing now. Pray on that. Discern on that. And if it's meant to be, God will provide. And there's an abundance that God has for each and every one of us that's going to look different for each and every one of us. So with that, y'all, we're going to, as always, we're going to just start with The themes of today's reading. Again, we are in the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Yeah, the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And we just want to share with you, Brother Jay is going to share with you what the themes are for today's readings.
2: So you mentioned abundance and God will provide. And that's precisely what we're going to be talking about today is God provides and he provides not just what is necessary, but he provides with abundance. And he provides not just materially but more important, his aim is to provide us with grace, provide us with salvation, to support us and sustain us, not just in life, but through death and into eternal life. He makes that known to us through the marvelous ways that he provides for us. you know, And that's part of what we're going to be seeing Miracles, not just fr- from Jesus, but also in the Old Testament, and that the laws of scarcity don't apply. The laws of the economy, like supply and demand and scarcity, don't apply to God. Because <laughs> uh, after all, He is the creator of, of everything. Uh, an important part of, of that theme is the call to faith and trust in God that He will provide and that. Uh, he has provided, he will provide.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, so stay tuned, y'all. We are in for a good one today. And we're going to go right into the first reading. And today's first reading comes from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4, verses 42 through 44. Again, 2 Kings, chapter 4, verses 42 through 44.
2: The work of the two books of the, of Kings is a religious history about Israel and how it went from a nation ruled by Moses or led by Moses, who handed on his sort of mantle to Joshua, and then they asked for leadership, and so they had judges for a while, and then eventually they became a kingdom. And had, was ruled by a king. The two books of Kings is about uh, this time period when Israel is being ruled by Kings. While the book is not just about the Kings, it'll also include some really famous uh, prophets like Elijah, Elisha, and Isaiah. The second book of Kings picks up when Elijah one of the greatest prophets in Israel's history, hands on the reins to Elisha, and he becomes the new prophet, the new man of God. So that's what this reading is about. There's a series of stories that are seemingly disconnected from one another, but they're anecdotes that kind of display the character of of the person in in question. And, And so this is a story about Elisha, who's the prophet, and referred to here as the man of God. It was a common practice for people to tithe, and one way that you could tithe, which was your offering to God from, your own, from the abundance of gifts that God has given you. And so usually it was like 10%, a tenth of whatever you, you got from the harvest or from raising livestock a tenth of whatever you brought in or made or came across, you were to give that 10% back to God. This unnamed man from Baal Shalisha, and we'll talk about the name, what that means in a second, comes to Elisha, the man of God, and gives him 20 barley loaves from the first fruits and fresh grain in the ear. These were what he was able to, Make and produce from his land. This was a, a gesture of thanksgiving to God. Elisha says, Give it to the people to eat. So he says, How can I set this before a hundred people? But he just repeats himself Give it to the people to eat, for thus says the Lord. And this is where he assumes the role of prophet They shall eat, and there shall be some left over. And when they had eaten, there was some left over. So this is meant to be understood as a miracle. This little bit of food, relatively speaking, was able to feed a hundred people. Of course, this will sound very familiar if you already know the gospel story of of Jesus multiplying the loaves and fish. Keep in mind, this is the Old Testament. This is referenced and indexed in, in the gospel reading later on. But this was meant to show Elisha's connection to God and his status as a man of God, someone who is very deeply connected and, in a sense, represents God in this story. Being a prophet, he is announcing that God gives abundantly. And he shows that by this miracle. And this is not a miracle that Elisha performs. It's a miracle that God performs. It was done through the faithfulness of this man who is just doing what he and his forefathers had done for ages. Even from the time of Adam and Eve and, and their sons Cain and Abel, it was a rite of thanksgiving to give back to God first fruits. And that's what this man was doing. And when you follow God's law, God can take that little bit of faithfulness, that little bit of virtue, that little bit of goodness, and magnify by his own power. That's really what what the story is trying to share with us and encourage us to do is that when we follow God's law, God will take care of the rest. God will provide, God will uh, magnify that little bit of goodness to make it so that everyone has enough.
0: Like you were saying, Jay, this is definitely connected to when Jesus multiplied the loaves and just, again, a lot of the connections there. I love what you said, the first fruits. When I read that line, and it always reminded me of like back in the days. totally guilty. We talk about tithing, right? Those first fruits. Now, granted, I was a little younger, okay, young adult. And I remember there be times collection basket come around and I got either the 20 or the one. You feel me? And I was like hesitant to let that 20 go. And I get that $1 bill. And in my mind, I'm justifying it with, I got to eat. And I know that. There are definitely families out there where that money can definitely be go a long way. But that wasn't my that wasn't my case. And that's not the case of most. But for whatever reason, we struggle with giving God our first fruits, which is crazy because you think of the the one or the 20 and then. But yeah, we'll go out after church and spend way more than that on food or entertainment. So, definitely the message for me is like, yo, give God your first fruits. So, now if you ask me, would I give the one or the 20? I'm going to give the 21. Yeah, give it all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not one or the other. I'm going to give you my first fruits. And I think a lot of the times we look at how people give. Are they giving from their first or are they giving from their surplus? And we hear a lot of stories like that in the, the Bible. Like, the person who's going to give you their first fruits is going to be rewarded with the Father in heaven. First and foremost, because they're giving their first and not their leftovers. And then I love how in the in this other piece, but a servant objected, how can I set this before a hundred people? There we go again with doubt, right? And I love how you pronounce it, Elisha, right? Elisha was like, give it to the people. And the servant objected and he says, how can I set this before a hundred people? And it's like, there you go. Oh, ye of little faith. And a lot of times we look at our life and we look at our situation like, man, how is this going to happen? How are we going to make it? How are we going to get through? Guess what? If you're listening to this podcast, you are being pulled through as we speak. God has not let you down yet. He has not gotten you through yet. And if you're going through your go through right now, it's because he's still pulling you through. So again, just another reminder for me, yo bro, continue to give God your first. I had a quick little story and then I'll pass it over to brother Carlo, but I was talking to my friend earlier, we were talking about virtual work and I'm working with the school district out in Cali right now, summer school. And you know, it's hard hard to get kids to show up for a virtual lesson after school hours to do the work that I do, especially if it's not mandatory. So literally, bro, like I got like a total of seven students last week out of a hundred something that showed up on the Zoom. And the parents were like, oh, they have sports or they're on vacation and I'm not faulting anyone at this summer, mid-July. Come on. yeah, <laughs> That's a hard, that's a hard ask to get some kids on for something that is not mandatory. Mm-hmm. And the adults in charge, the teacher was like, wow, they were saying, oh, we're sorry you got it here. Your setup is nice, your camera, your light, everything, you, you, you did a great job today, and I just feel bad because there's only seven. I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter. You give me seven, 70, 700, I'm going to give you my first. I'm going to give you, I'm going to, you know, give you 120%. And I think that's something that many generations after us don't get, is giving your first fruits. And I know, Brother Carla, Brother Jeremy, y'all could probably relate on some level, We look at generations after us, maybe our younger cousins and or maybe our younger nieces and nephews and the priority that's put over put when it comes to family. Like I know my family it was always a big thing to always honor your elders, always show up, always pay respects and just be part of that. But attendance at functions are lower now. And again, Randy, we got COVID, but just pre COVID. These last couple years, I look at some of the generations after us, so I'm like, man, just the level of like respect for each other, the level of conviction for family, just, it's not like it used to be, man. And, and I feel like kids will give you, especially when they become adults, 18s, they'll give you, they won't give you their first fruits. They'll just give you whatever time you got left over. And uh, that breaks my heart. So yeah, great reminder, y'all right here. Give your first. Don't lack that faith because there's plenty for all of us.
1: I just want to touch on that last part you mentioned about how young people, it's different nowadays. Young people tend to not necessarily see family as one of the priorities in their life. And the reality is that And this is just from anecdotal observation. Kids are being raised totally different nowadays than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. And it's not to say that these kids are different or more selfish or anything like that. But I also believe that each generation has the struggles of growing up that Unfortunately, most adults, most parents are behind the eight ball on when it comes to adjusting to those times. And brother Ryan, Ryan and I have talked about it a few times. For instance, one of the things that is super common today is using screens as a form of babysitting. And it's not any malice on the part. Of the parents it's not any malice on part of you know society but in general the domestic church us at home have not quite adjusted to what society is demanding of us and we have not been able to adjust in a way to address it so that we can bring those values back And I bring it up because I want it to be something that is addressed and is focused on when it comes to parenting your kids. I think we've all seen the kids that need to have a cell phone placed in front of them to calm them down because we want them to be quiet, because we don't want them running around, because we don't want them making too much noise. And I have to admit, I was the same way when I became a parent for the first time. Just a reminder, I have four boys that have a lot of energy and it took a stranger to make me realize how blessed and lucky I was to be in this situation. I took Zeri, my oldest, and at the time he was two or three. Super mobile, almost able to do voice commands. To, to control him almost but the boy is very spirited very stubborn he's going to do what he wants to do and so go to walmart and i took him to walmart specifically because okay i got to start training him to be in public spaces this is way before the pandemic so there was no concern of getting ill and just basically two to three feet behind him following him and he's going from aisle to aisle touching everything he can get his hands on (laughs) and I'm I'm trying to hold it together I'm a little frustrated because this boy just he just doesn't stop and this older man just stands there and starts smiling and looking at me and he tells me he has a lot of energy huh I said yeah, he does. And he could see I was a little flustered. And he was like, You know what that means? I said that he's trouble. He goes, No, it means he's healthy. And just in that one comment, I was like, He's right. Young kids are supposed to be running around. Young kids are supposed to be noisy. Young kids are supposed to do those things when they're healthy. They're not supposed to be subdued and. And a big part of it is because society has put this stigma on parents with kids who are allowed that, hey, quiet your kid down, even in church. And what's funny was one time after I'd met this guy at the Walmart, I took Zari to church and I kind of got reprimanded by an usher at church because he says, your son's being too loud. Other people are trying to pray. And a little... I don't even know what the, I guess frustrated is the word. I found that usher after mass and I just politely pulled him to the side and I said, Hey, can I speak to you for a second? This usher is way older than me. He's probably retirement age. So I'm, I'm trying to, and I tell him, I understand my son was being a little louder than you wanted him to be, but I told him what other way, Is there for my son to fully immerse himself in the faith? You know, what other way than to be around other people in mass and him participating the way he can participate at this age? What other way? And I tried to explain to him I want my son to love his Catholic faith. I don't want him to feel like he's being, you know, penalized or being punished for coming out here. As we know, a lot of young people feel. What are some of the comments that a lot lot of young people who come to Mass, my mom forced me to come, oh, my dad forced me to come, or I have to go. I don't want to be here, but I have to. And one of the best pieces of advice I got, this actually came from Papa Joe. Shout out to Papa Joe Lucero and his family, Auntie Merlin. One one day I asked him, how did you get your kids to be so in love with God? And one of the the pieces of advice is like, what do you let your kids do at home? And I said, they play around, they're loud. Okay, that's what they do at home. And I I said, yeah. If we want the church to feel like home to them, shouldn't they be able to act like kids inside of the church? And I said, yeah. And he was just saying, it's simple as that. Don't make them feel like being here is a punishment. If they're carrying on, okay, playing around, okay, a little bit. If they're screaming bloody murder, okay, handle that. But if they're going to be kids and you're going to let them be kids in church, trust me, they're going to develop that sense of this is home. And so this is, I bring this up because I think it's, it's important, especially for parents to realize that, and I mentioned this to Brother Ryan before, that when they're young, their brains... The interesting thing about the brain is it's not just a thinking organ. It's interesting in the sense that its experiences actually turn into substance. Whatever your kid experiences, your brain or your kid's brain builds on that. And so, whatever you expose them to when they're young, their brain's going to develop on that. And that's going to be the foundation for the rest of their life. So there is no growing out of it. They're going to grow on top of whatever they experienced. And so I think we just got to get our kids comfortable building on that idea and all those concepts that we just talked about. And I think eventually we're going to have kids that, that put family first. I don't know how many times I've told Zary that, dude, you're the oldest brother. What's your job as the leader of this family? And he knows, even though it's just memorized right now, it's to make sure everyone's taken care of. I said, yep, that's it. You and your brothers, you take care of all your brothers. But going back, and this is how I'm going to connect it to the the gospel reading. I think it's, it's in a sense, saying, whatever you give God, he's going to multiply it for you in the most generalist sense. And so to connect it, if I give God my kids, Man, he's going to do amazing things with them. He's going to multiply them. And when it comes to to my sons, one thing that I'm experimenting with, and who knows how this is going to turn out, but I have a feeling it's it's you know going to be up to God. My experiment is that my job as a parent is to help them figure out why God made them the way they are. It's not to tell them this is what you're supposed to be. This is what you're going to do not to try to push them into becoming a doctor or lawyer or the list of acceptable professions in our culture, but to truly give them back to God as a gift because he gave my kids to me as a gift and to let him multiply the loaves of bread and the fish And we'll see that there's plenty left over for the kingdom of God.
0: Yeah. And and before I shoot it over to Brother Jay, I just want to clarify. No way, shape or form calling parents out and shaming any parents of the parenting style. But I think, again, just as a reminder that as parents, if you're a parent and you have children, let's give our children our first fruits. Yes, we have to work. Yes, we have to provide. But when we get home, let's give them our first fruits. And to all of our young listeners out there. Give your family your first fruits, right? Yeah, you have school. Yeah, you have homework. And yeah, you have sports. But when it's time to spend with your family, give them your first fruits. I have this great example today. Uh, Brother Jeremy Mallett posted on social media about <laughs> Forky in Craft Buddy Day. All right? And if y'all don't know about Craft Buddy Day, y'all got to learn about that. And what I love was he did some arts and crafts with his girls. and. The simplest things, clothespins, pipe cleaners, and they just, just from the pictures, I was like, man, this is what I'm talking about. This is an example of just giving your first fruits. <laughs> All right, y'all, if y'all follow them on social, you'll see the post today. It's And it wasn't anything that's super expensive. It wasn't flashy. It wasn't about status, but... That right there was and is a perfect example of what it is to give your first fruits to your family. So, again, not trying to call any parents out. I get it. We all have different circumstances. And like Brother Carlos said, we're growing up I'm in a different time. <laughs> we're growing up in a different time. <laughs> but I will say, if anything, are we? the question I'm going to pose is, are you giving your first fruits to your family, to your husband, to your wife, to, call you out. to your vocation, you, to your parents? Yeah, yes, that's all. But Jay, want to throw anything else on top of that before we jump into this responsorial?
2: Just a little note on some of the names that are brought up. It says that the man came from Baal Shalisha and and the name Elisha. The Book of Kings is a religious history book, and so there's gonna, they're going to employ some wordplay and poetry and things like that. But now I'm not, I don't know Hebrew. But I did some research on the root meaning of these words and Baal Shalisha has to do with like a providential Lord or now a lot of people will, will he- hear the name Baal and, and think an idol or uh, <laughs> something that like a false God or something like that, but it also means just Lord in a different language. And so the. The man came from a, a place called the Lord it provides or is providential or supports, you know, and then the name Elisha, which is interesting. It's actually uh, very closely related to Yehoshua, which is Jesus's name, Yeshua, which means God saves. And so the connection, they're connecting providence with salvation and, and that's Just another little detail that most people won't get unless you get into the Hebrew of it.
0: Yeah, I love that, Jay. When you put that in the notes, when you're like, how do you say it? Baal, say it again.
2: Um, Baal Shalisha.
0: Baal Shalisha, meaning related to prosperity. And so, just even if you just plug that in, just plug those ideas in there. Look, the man came from the place of prosperity. And he gave it to Elisha, Yeshua, and he multiplies it. Come on. If y'all ain't already seeing the connection, go back to the beginning. Use the (laughs) timestamps. All right, y'all. So with that, we're going to go right into our responsorial psalm. And that is from Psalm 145. Yes, Psalm 145, 10, 11, 15 through 18. Okay, so Psalm 145. 10 and 11 and 15 through
2: 18. So the Psalm 145 is a Davidic psalm and it's a psalm of praise and it's in praise of God and for his generosity. It it goes just beyond thanking God. It, it's praising God because he has given us everything. And so he, we respond uh, to the first reading by saying the hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs. And, What's interesting here is the us being referred to is not just people. But if you look in the second stanza, it says you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. And um, when I read that, it reminded me that this is something that Jesus himself was encouraging his um, disciples and his listeners to recognize about God, that God is that generous. He says, consider the birds, consider the ravens. They they don't spin or weave or they don't sow seeds and yet they have enough to eat. Look at the flowers. Not not even King Solomon was as resplendent resplendently beautiful as these flowers. And and they just pop up out of the ground. And if God provides for these, what more and this is Jesus's line of reasoning for us. What more would God do for us if we just let him and trust in him that he cares for everything else, why not let him care for us? And and it's interesting how much we come back to that, that, that theme of giving God permission, letting God um, work in us and letting God, in a sense, serve us because that's an important aspect of our faith is there's only things that God can do. And we have to, in a sense, allow him to do it. And, but uh, uh, without getting too off course, the Psalm that we we read brings everything together and saying, cause we thank God for doing all these things because in everything God does, not just in some of the things, but in everything, God is just and God is holy. and he is near to all those who call upon him, you know, the, and you really get a sense of parental love, a love that where he's watching very carefully over us and he knows our needs and it, he gives it, but it's not just our needs that he's meeting. He, and he's not just giving us what we might want. He's giving more. He's giving us more than we can imagine, although in in the Old Testament, we still don't know what that means exactly, but we do know that God cares for us, and that's what this psalm is, is guiding us in our prayer to recognize is that God is that providential, loving God. A.K.A. let God steer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm just going to piggyback off with brother jay and what brother carlos says that here's the, again the response to this first reading is when we give god our first, and when we have strong faith he will provide and, and brother jay mentioned god doesn't always give you what you want and many people have heard me say time and time again that when i think about danielle i call her my unexpected blessing my wife and the quote i always say to myself the saying that i came up with was God doesn't always give you what you want, but he'll always give you what you need because sometimes what you want isn't what you need. And I believe that as we continue to give God our first, whether that's our resources, our time, in order to give him our first, something has to come in second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, which means that giving God our first means that not everything might even, we might not be able to do everything. We might not get to what's on the bottom of the list. So there's part of that sacrifice. And that's what I think when I read this response, because God is going to continue to satisfy the desire of every living thing. And in a couple lines before that, it says, and you give them their food in due season. Catch that y'all. You will get your food in due season. You will get your food when you need it. You will get what you need when you need it. And because we are in this time where our attention spans aren't as long, instant gratification is real. We want what we want now. (laughs) And here is that reminder. In due season, you will get your food. And there's plenty to go around. So don't act like there's not enough Give God your first, because if you, and that was my other piece around giving God your first. If you give him your first and you feel like that's all you got, then there's a lack of faith that you have. Just saying. So yeah, again, just right. The hand of the Lord feeds us and he answers all our needs, not all of our wants. So I just wanted to highlight that for all of our listeners out there.
1: Just to piggyback on the timing part, I think one thing that I know all three of us have experienced is the perfect timing of God. Going back to what brother Ryan highlighted. What was the phrase in due season, due time?
0: Yeah. It says there, the full thing says the eyes of all look hopefully to you and you give them their food in due season.
1: And I think that just highlights how a lot of things in life have varying degrees of benefit or discord based on their timing. And so real world situation, you're trying to buy something, you're trying to buy a house, and the timing is not what you planned. Not what you planned. And then you find out that there was a reason why the timing was the way it was. And I think that could be a template for a lot of things in life, whether it be success in business, success in school, success in relationships. Is the timing right? And if you truly let God steer, if you do give him your first fruits, just like in this psalm and you get what you need in due season, you will find that God's timing is always perfect. And there's a reason for it. One example was when we moved out here to Fresno or when we were getting ready to move out here to Fresno, we were in the time crunch and we needed to get a place to stay. And we were putting in bids to to a bunch of homes out here. I think we might've put in like maybe 10 to 12 bids over the course of three to four weeks and time was running out and we put an offer into this one house. Our realtor was telling us eh, they might not go because we put a limit to how much we could, you know, how much of a house we could buy. And, and the house we put an offer in for was asking for more than what we could provide. And the, the reality was like, this is just, this is what we can do. It's not that we have more money. We're not trying to lowball us us. Like, this is the most we can do. When we got that word back from the realtor, we just said, okay, that's fine. Let it go. And we came back. We're looking at another house in the middle of being shown another house. A phone call to a realtor comes in. Hey, they just accepted your offer. And it seemed okay. We got a house benign enough. But what we didn't realize was the effect that the community that we were now a part of was going to have on our family. The school that we were at provided an opportunity for, for our boys to grow, provi- provided an opportunity to find something that we didn't expect. Now, had we gotten those any one of those 10 or 12 houses that we wanted before this house, if we had gotten one, of, if we got the very first one, would we have experienced the same growth that we experienced if it were not the 13th house that we put an offer on. I don't know. I don't know. But every day, I thank God because our time here was so fruitful for our family, as a family and individually for each of my sons and my wife. And I realize in retrospect, man, if we got in one of those other houses, this might not have happened this way. We might not have discovered certain things about our family. And so when I hear this psalm, when he answers all our needs, I think one aspect about it that's very important for any of us who are attempting to let God steer, and I say attempt because it it is a difficult thing to let go of things that you'd rather be in control of. But when you attempt to let God steer, That timing is going to be perfect. When God is the one steering, he's going to make the right turn at the correct intersection at the perfect time. And it just doesn't feel good sometimes when you're not in control, but realize that the one who made you, the one who made the universe, the one who designed you to be who you are has much better timing. And that's one aspect of this psalm that really stands out to me.
0: Thank you, bro. Yeah, just again, we almost an hour into it, not even at the second reading yet. So a lot here. This is, again, 17th Sunday. This powerful readings, powerful messages in all different ways. So many great reminders, again, of God's abundance. We're going to go ahead and take that over next to our second reading all right y'all our second reading is from the book of ephesians chapter four verses one through six
2: so we're again returning to the letter to the ephesians which as we mentioned before is paul's kind of treatise on the church like what is the church and this is actually a very pivotal reading from that letter about who the church is um and so he's writing two members of the church, about who we are, what it is that brings us together, and what that means for how we should live. He says, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live in a a manner worthy of the call you have received. And then he mentions these virtues and characteristics, humility, gentleness, patience, uh, bearing with one another, love, and unity. And and peace and all these things all these virtues of what it means to be a christian community a church is based on the principle of our unity which is god one body one spirit uh, one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all and so he he refers to god as, as a father and that's one of the things that jesus made sure he Jesus made sure that we knew of God as a father and the role of, of the father classically and, and traditionally in in scripture is to be the leader, the protector and the provider for their family. And and that's what God is for us as for the church is to be that protector, that leader, that that guide and that provider. And if God is our father, this brings us back to basic right the basic idea that that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and that's why we should treat each other with humility and gentleness treat each other as in accord with the call of from God to be his children that we and each of us is called to that we should treat each other accordingly cuz the person that you're interacting with is one deeply beloved by god that's uh, someone that god will look upon and call son or daughter that has implications for how we should treat one another as each of us beloved by god as we should treat each other as as brothers and sisters in christ as i already mentioned really important and pivotal point in the letter to the ephesians that paul is as he's instructing us about the church what is it that makes us church? It's it's God the Father. And he ends this particular section by saying God the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And again, being aware of our, our dignity as being made in the image and likeness of God, bearing God's image, it's important that we treat each other with respect and that's something that comes from God. We don't give it, Ourselves that does that dignity doesn't come from us. It's something that God has given us. And, and to bring it back to our theme, the dignity that we have uh, and our importance doesn't come from us. That comes from God, and that that's the reason for why we should uh, protect each other and give each other the due honor and respect that we each deserve. I think that
1: recognizing that our relationship with the ultimate being of the universe as a relationship as a child to a father, I think is super important to recognize and to it's good to have Paul affirm this. And one of the reasons why I believe this concept is important is illustrated really well in in the parable of the the prodigal son. For the most part, people know that there's a father, there's two sons. One of the sons decides he wants his inheritance, and he goes out a whiles out, does what he wants to do, being the young man that he is, spends all his money, loses all of it, and has to find a way to come back in shame to his father's house knowing that his father's servants get fed better than he was being fed because he was at that point in the gutter eating with pigs and the aspect of this parable that I think is usually not really focused on and it and I only know about it because I heard it in a sermon years ago maybe even 20 years ago I heard it And the aspect about it that I think that's very important to realize is when that son came back, the father wasn't trying to punish him. The father wasn't telling his son, see, I told you, look what you did to yourself. You messed up. You're going to have to repay it. But instead, the father sees his son and celebrates as if someone had died and had come back to life. And focusing on that specific aspect of it, and I believe Paul is affirming it here, you recognize that we aren't just subjects in the kingdom. We aren't just servants, but we truly are children of God. And as such, him being the ultimate father it's something that we need to remember that relationship is so important because we don't have a god as you will read in other mythological stories in human history about gods who demand your worship that demand you work for them but instead we have a father Who wants to take care of his kids we don't have a god that is waiting at the gates of heaven ready to chop our hands off when we've made a mistake and i bring that up because i believe that's one of the portrayals that we have of god sometimes even in the christian faith you know that here we have this punitive vindictive god that Wants to get you for your mistakes, which is completely opposite from how Jesus, who knows the man personally, face to face, is painting God as this father figure who is elated when his son, who went off to do whatever he wanted to do, came back. Again, wasn't mad at him, wasn't telling him you need to pay it back, you need to work your way back. But was elated to see his son come back home. Even though the brother wasn't very happy. And so I want I wanted to point that concept out because I I feel that understanding that we have a father to child relationship with God, it helps you understand why things work the way they are. Because there's times And I'm sure any parent, any new parent can attest to the fact that when your young kid doesn't understand what you're trying to do and trying to protect them from, they're going to cry in your ear all day. You're going to have the the cute, ugly face cry. They're tearing up. Their lips kind of drop down and they start crying. and, And I bet they feel horrible but you just took something away that's gonna hurt them. You just took, I don't know, a gumball that they could choke on and die from. To the baby, it's this is the worst thing ever. How could you do this to me? You're taking something I want so badly. But on the father's end, on my end, I'm like, I'm trying to protect you, son. I gotta make sure that you don't choke on this. So I'm taking it away from you. So when you see your relationship with God as a parental figure, you realize, and you're easy. It's easier to have faith in the idea and concept that some of the things that we experience in this life that aren't necessarily fun. And going back to letting God steer is because God is trying to get us to a place we need to be, or He knows we need to be. And if we can see our life struggles. Our life's rewards, if we could see how we give back to the Father because He wants to give us something multiple times better than what we gave Him, then you see how life makes more sense. Life isn't just, oh man, this is messed up. I'm getting punished, or this is bad. That's, you know, what did I do wrong? but you realize, nope, God's really trying to steer you in the right direction, and sometimes it doesn't feel good. But when you end up where you're supposed to be because you gave your first fruits to God, man, things are so much better than you would have planned.
0: Amen, amen. And just just briefly, the line that really struck out to me was the line that says, striving to persevere the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And I'm actually going to reformulate that as a question for all of our listeners right now. Are you striving to preserve the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace? One body and one spirit. As you were called to the one hope of your call. And Brother Jay was talking about this oneness and Brother Carlos was talking about becoming whole as the prodigal son came home, the family becoming whole and the father just really thinking about how like, this is still my family. This is still my son. This is our, we're complete. And again, so many different things you can take away from the prodigal son, the the story of the prodigal son. But when I think about this idea of basic brothers and sisters in Christ, that was our confirmation retreat being one body. So that's the question I have. Are you striving to preserve the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace in your relationships at home, in your friendships, at work, at school because I feel like if we really embrace that idea that we can preserve the unity of the spirit through this bond of peace, imagine more whole and more complete. We would be as families, as communities, as cities, countries, and even as a world. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And I believe that this can happen on so many levels. So many levels. Mother Teresa is such a great example of what it meant to strive to preserve the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. As one body and one spirit. She just really. Oh, man. So much of the Blessed Mother Teresa. So yeah, y'all, I just, just want to throw that question out there to so y'all, as there's so much here, even in the second reading. And what are we doing to preserve that unity of spirit through the bond of peace? Are we promoting peace or not? Are we acting and believing that we are brothers and sisters in Christ or not? But here we are being reminded we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all. Who is over all and through all and in all everywhere, y'all. So thank you, Brother Jay. Thank you, Brother Carla, for dropping wisdom nuggets on us. So for our gospel reading today, and feel free, brother Jay, if there's anything else you want to add before we jump in to the gospel. But if not, the gospel reading is one of my faves. Oh I can't always say one of my faves, but they're all my favorite. (laughs) I love all the scripture, man. Old, old school. Old Testament, New Testament. <laughs> I love it all, man. So today's gospel is from the book of John, chapter six, verses one through fifteen. Again, the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter six, verses one
2: through fifteen. All right, so John chapter six is one of my favorite chapters <laughs> in all of scripture. <laughs> but but yeah. Like you, like every little story is my favorite, <laughs> but this John chapter six is particularly important because it has the bread of life discourses, and this is actually not disconnected from from when Jesus talks about how he he is the bread of life and that his flesh is given to us for the life of the world. He's, this uh, story of the multiplication of loves is actually a beginning or a preparation for that discourse later. And, and we, we were going through Mark's gospel and Mark will have its, its own version of the multiplication of loaves, but there's certain details in this particular account that aren't in Mark's and I'm not sure what, why that decision was made uh, and who made it, but it's for good reason. And that there's precisely because of those little details. Anyway, so the multiplication of loaves story is Jesus has this large crowd following him. And they're getting hungry and they haven't, they've been with him all day. And now it was getting time to eat, but where was the food going to come from? And and so Jesus asks Philip where can we buy enough food for them to eat and it says here that that Jesus said this to fill to test him and this is actually a reference to to the book of numbers when the people having followed Moses out into the desert from Egypt and they had established a few things they were being provided manna and they were wandering the desert and God was doing all these things, providing them with water, with drinkable water and the manna and the quail. But now there's, they're still grumbling. And this time they're grumbling about, we don't have any meat to eat. And we were like, we're, we want some meat. And God, so Moses asks God, they want meat to eat. I don't, I don't know where I'm going to, where am I going to get this? Where am I going to get enough food for them? And there's 600,000 soldiers alone and and that's not everyone where are they going to get this food and that's what what is being referenced here by jesus and of course god is the one who provides right in that's in the story of moses and the people and but god was a little what's the word he was a little peeved by the the grumbling of the people and he said he said you know what not only am I going to give you meat, I'm going to give you so much meat it's going to be coming out of your nostrils, literally. That's what it, that's what the gospel says. <laughs> I mean, that's what the scriptures say, that that God said to to Moses to tell the people that you're going to have so much meat that it's going to be coming out of your nostrils, and that they were going to have meat for a month. And God did it. And that was that's what Jesus was testing Philip is was he going to say, just like where it came from in the time of Moses, he was looking at what they had. He was looking at, at the literal uh, reality in front of them. They only had 200 days' wages worth of food. And then there was, as we see a little later, Andrew, who is the the brother of Peter, brings a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. And notice the barley loaves. That's supposed to, to be a reference to the first reading where the man from Baal, Shalisha, brings in the 20 barley loaves uh, and barley loaves is a, is a food of the poor. It, it was a it was sort of the poor man's bread. It, it, I'm not really too sure why, so I did, but that's what I got from the, from my research. Maybe because barley is a little bit easier to grow than wheat. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure, but anyway, but this boy brings. Five barley loaves and two fish, and but again, the apostles in their "quote unquote" wise adulthood are looking at this and thinking, "We don't have enough. There's no way that we can feed all these people." But Jesus uh, says, "Have the people recline," because uh, and they didn't sit at picnic tables or or dining tables in their homes or out when they're having a picnic. They would just sit on the ground, both in their homes, and and they would actually lay down as they eat, and that's what what they mean by recline. They, they would lean on their elbows as a sign that they were in a position to eat. Anyway, so they Jesus says, get the people in position. We're gonna we're gonna have this these loaves and fish, and and as the famous story goes, they everyone had their fill. And they gathered the fragments left over and it was enough to fel- fill 12 wicker baskets and everyone had m- more than they could eat. And obviously this is a, a miracle that so many people, 5,000 families were able to eat. And a lot of people, would, the people who are here witnessing this, they would have seen the signs of, of the similarity between Moses, but also Elisha, who multiplied um, the loaves, and, and and the little miracles of providence in the Old Testament, where God makes something last much more, or uh, and stretches something much more than it should have. And that was definitely a, an understanding that this was a miracle from God. And that's why they end this gospel reading by saying, this is truly the prophet. Now, the, the prophet that's mentioned here is uh, a reference to the book of Deuteronomy, I believe, where Moses says that God will raise up a prophet from among the people um, to be a, a, pro- a prophet like Moses. Uh, Moses said, will say, a prophet like me. Uh, God will raise up a prophet like me from among you and they were seeing Jesus as this prophet like Moses and that's what they were referencing with the prophet and that's why prophet is capitalized here so he Jesus is the prophet that was uh, promised by God and and since Jesus knew that they were going to carry him off and make him king he withdrew and again the people were responding in the only way they could they they recognized that Jesus was definitely someone from God and He was the prophet, the Messiah, the one that was going to save Israel. Um, But again, they were thinking in human terms and thinking he's going to be the one that leads the revolution of Israel against the Romans, and that he was going to win their help them win their independence and become a, a sovereign nation and stuff like that. But of course, Jesus and and God had bigger plans for Israel and for humanity and as a whole, and so that's why Jesus had to withdraw and not give the people what they wanted, which was him in this way, because he was going to give himself in a different way. But a lot of, there's so much here that I could, that we can dive into. But, but the, I think the most salient point is to realize that the, the detail of a little boy who brings forward five loaves and two fish. If we see ourselves as that boy, as that kid who, in, in, simple innocence, gives what they have to God, God can take that little bit that we have and make it enough for, and make it more than enough for the situation that He's putting us in. And so there's a there's an example here in a sense of God using the simple to Shame and make foolish the the wise, the and where the f- the faith of the apostles fail, here is this little boy who's putting all his trust in Jesus, and um, and Jesus makes it enough. Yeah, I think that's a good lesson for us as as we go through life that God can take what little we give Him and make it into so much more.
0: That's exactly what uh, I was going to share too, Jay. All the different youth conferences that I speak at, I love, again, this version of John because, again, it goes, there was this boy and we never knew. I always tried to look to see if there was a name for this boy. Could never find out if there was a name for him, but it's just, you, like you said, it's just this idea that here is this boy and he didn't, like, say, hey, I'll I give y'all one one loaf and one fish because I got to have some for me. He didn't hold back. He gave everything that he had. He gave his first fruits. And just like Brother Jay said, he Jesus takes this young man, this innocent young boy's gifts, and he multiplies it. And so I would always share this message anytime. This was part of the theme for a conference or a retreat or an event. But the question I would always pose our young people is, are you willing to give God everything you got, no matter how little Or how much it is. And will you allow him to amplify your gift? Will you allow him to take your gift to the world? Or are you still wanting to hold it for yourself? Are you still in a mindset where you want to do it? You want to do with your gift what you want to do? Or I'll give God a little bit of it, but not all of it and again just looking at there's so much like brother jay said that we can pull from this story of the lack of faith from the adults or the disciples and the full faith and trust of this boy this unnamed boy and i feel like that represents each and every young person right now each and every young person that has these gifts and i think sometimes we get caught up thinking we don't have enough thinking we need more but know, like we said in a couple podcasts ago, stop looking and searching for your identity because you already have it. God has already gifted you your identity just as he has gifted you the gifts that you have. Now, the question is, are you willing to give it all to Christ, to give it all to God, to give your first fruits so that your gifts can be multiplied and feed the world. And that's going to look different for each and every one of us. Why? Because in the second reading, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, one body. But if we keep holding on to the gifts that we have and the charisms that we have, where we use it for other things that are not of God, is it truly going to multiply the way that it could feed the thousands? So again, and this is the only, gospel where it actually talks about the young boy the little boy who had the bread and the fish he wasn't holding back he was all in so are you ready to go all in and give god all you got and see what he can do with it or are you still playing safe you still being conservative You're still being stingy just saying go all in
1: See now, I want to know what the backstory was for that little boy, but just in the same way, the dude that had the donkey. Hey, the master has a need. Okay, here you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like who, who, what was the backstory? Was it an angel that went to this kid and be like, "Hey, in two weeks, they're gonna ask for some bread and fish. You give them what you got, okay?" But that's another story. I was also curious as to why they kept using barley. And, and it's it, uh, what's interesting that I found, um, and, and they called it the bread of the poor or the wheat or the the food of the poor, right? This is how they referred to it. And just doing, doing a little bit of, and I, I don't know if this is super accurate, but it was saying that barley was... Easy to grow in some of the worst soil in Israel, but it didn't have the same amount of gluten as wheat, and so when you would bake it, it wouldn't rise like wheat would. And so I imagine that might have been the reason why maybe barley was considered poor people's food. It's almost, do you want grape juice or do you want champagne? It's basically the same kind of fruit, but I guess barley was considered fancier or less fancy than wheat and i think the other thing it said was that they actually used barley to feed animals back in those days and so it was basically the poor people's food like you could eat it your animals can eat it but you never heard of any any of the elites in that time eating barley which makes sense but i think if that is the case I think the other underlying message in the gospel that really stands out to me is this concept that you can give God your best. And even if your best is considered the worst, that he could still do a lot with it to keep you going and to get you by, which goes back to the, to that, the story, the, the other scriptural story about who's giving more the rich person who gives 100 gold coins or the lady who has only one gold coin and that's all she has that's valuable and she gives that i'm sure i butchered that story but i remember it being something close to that but i think what the gospel or what jesus is trying to illustrate and piggybacking off of what bro rye was talking about with, with the little boy is that even in your most humblest circumstances, whatever you give, God can work with. Are you a rich man and you want to donate $100 million? He can work with that. Or are you a homeless man who has one lucky penny and decides to share that? He can work with that too. And that's what I'm extrapolating for. It's like, why would, scripture purposely point out what was considered the bottom of the barrel of the foods in that time for the people. Why would he use that? And it just makes sense to me that he's not looking for the most glamorous things that the world has to offer. He's willing to accept whatever you can give. Whatever you can give and the faith you put behind it. So if you give barley, which is considered a poor man's food, but you put all your faith behind that, he can use that to do great miracles.
0: Brother Celo, I was just as you were just thinking sharing that bro, I was thinking like why barley too, right? As you were talking about it. And I think one word that really came up for me was access right? Because it was considered poor person's food. Everybody had access to it, which is another connection and a message that God is saying, look, we all have access to this. And if you're willing to share it, we can work with that. Because again, and then I feel like that's how God is inclusive to everybody. Because we're all one body. Because if it was just Certain items or food that only certain groups had, then not everybody not everybody would feel included. So, from the poorest of poor to the richest, they all have access to barley. Like we all have access to God, and God is saying in return, let me multiply that for you. But it's going to take That's you it. to meet me there,
1: and that makes even more sense with the idea of the word Catholic universal he's not a god of the rich he's not a god of the powerful because we know there's some churches out there that you got to put a a large down payment to join So there's no access for that but it just makes even more sense as this idea is developing as we're picking on that one aspect of the barley that All are welcome. Bring what you have, even if what you have is considered to be the lowest. Not even top ramen. Maybe it might be top noodle or something. Bring it. We'll add some eggs to it. A little soy sauce. You know how you do with those top ramen (laughs) back in the day. I know I made some masterpieces with, with scrambled egg in it. Sometimes the Vienna sausage would get chopped up. Bro, we had to be creative with that top
0: ramen dog. Back in the days, they used to have like just the Doritos and the nacho cheese in the little bag. Now I'd break up the, the what's it called the ramen and put the little seasoning in there, break that up, and just eat that straight up too, man.
1: You. <laughs> but see, talk about the master chef of the universe, bro. Yeah, man. He's like, Give me what you have, and I will make you a meal. Where you got meat coming out of your nose.
0: <laughs> For days. <laughs> Leftovers. Yeah. Beautiful, man. So, yeah, y'all, this is definitely, again, one of, I'm not even going to say my favorite saddest readings <laughs> because there are so many, <laughs> but definitely another powerful and popular, I'll just say popular, because it's definitely one of the more popular readings that many people know of. But now, hopefully, as you're listening to this, you're seeing how the... Old Testament readings from the second Kings is connected and is pointing to Jesus in that sense, in that sense. And it's leaving me right now, Jay, Carla, what's the, it's not allegorical. What's the sense? The four senses that points. Is it? No, I think allegorical. Okay. Is it allegorical? Yeah. Allegorical sense, right? Just pointing us to Christ in that Uh way. So that, that first reading again, and the response Make those connections. I make those connections because we all have access to it. So again, just using the timestamps, y'all taking your time with it. And as always, we're going to just go ahead and give you some of our final thoughts, our calls to actions, just some simple steps and some takeaways. After listening to today's podcast, I'm going to go ahead and start off with Brother Jay.
2: Just wanted to share one little thing before giving my final thought. I just wanted to point out the little detail of the 12 wicker baskets and how this helps us to understand in the anagogical sense which is the sense that leads us to heaven that the number 12 was a, is a reference to the restoration of Israel and the restoration of the 12 tribes and that's what led uh, part of what led the people to see Jesus as the prophet the one that was going to restore Israel which was the 12 wicker baskets. And, and of course we understand that the church is the new Israel uh, and where the humanity is able to be restored and is brought to heaven. So I just wanted to point that out. But yeah, I I think uh, one important call to action is that's underlying the our exhortation to trust in god and in trusting god's providence is that we have to be willing to be generous with god if we it, it's what what uh, both you guys were saying earlier if you're if you're going to be you know, stingy and holding on tightly to what you have because it's all you have and you've, you you believe that there's There's no more out there for you. One of the things that God is trying to teach us is not just that he himself is generous, but that he wants us also to be generous. In the Responsorial Psalm, it talks about how it talks about God's open hand. You open your hand to satisfy the desire of every living thing. And that's precisely the way that God wants us to be because he wants us to be like him he wants us to open our hands and to and I'm always going to come back to mother teresa because I think she's such an important saint for our time and i was in a room full of theologians and they were talking about what is the best way to evangelize the world and our conclusion was basically we need another mother teresa we need people to come up and be mother teresa and, and she and she was the living embodiment of living with open hands and she herself said that she's had fortunes literal fortunes pass through her hands and because she knew that she was not going to take any of that for her she was always begging for her children and there's a story that she was begging for for anything and once begged from a rich man who spat on her and she simply said okay that's for me now what about my children she just wiped off the spit and just said, okay, that's for me. What about my children? And it takes a such a magnanimous saint, one who's along the path of, of uh union with Christ, to have that kind of to have that kind of response and that, that kind of love, that loving response, if anything. It, it wasn't even passive aggressive <laughs> she, she just said okay what about i'm begging for my kids here and i think and and this is just as much a an exhortation to me as to anyone else that's listening that god wants us to be uh generous to to share what we have and and god will will take it and and do more <laughs>
0: And I love that. Thank you, brother. Rosilo, Final thoughts.
1: I'm dancing between two ideas, one of them being the concept that you can't take anything with you when you die. When you die and if you go up or you go down, either way you're not taking anything with you. And so to be stingy while you're down here is It's almost like you're setting yourself up for failure. And I believe that's just going back to the, the concept we mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier about how being down here on earth is almost like a, a training ground for how to live in heaven. And so if you're stingy down here, whether it be with God or whether it would with your fellow human being when you go to a place where no one's stingy everyone shares everything even though it's abundance would you be ready to be a citizen in heaven i don't know that's another thought experiment for me to think about would you be ready to be a citizen of heaven if you're down here being stingy even when brother jeremy was talking about that Rich man that spat on Mother Teresa. My my gut hurt a little bit. Not for Mother Teresa, but for that dude. You know, it's like, wait, did you know you just spit on a saint? Bruh, good luck, man. I don't know what's gonna if that's gonna be a good outcome for you in the the big picture of things. But yeah, that's kinda what I'm 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 thinking about. Like how it affects your soul. And I I don't know if I really have a, a full message but it's something that i'm thinking about right now is my stinginess gonna keep me from becoming a full citizen of heaven one day is that something that's gonna hold me back is me not letting go so that god can take it and make it better Am I shortchanging my experience, my outcome? And that's something that I think a lot of us have to think about if that is, if we're getting the full potential of what God wants to bless each and every one of us. Are we getting that full potential by not letting go? by being too stingy, by falling into scarcity mindset, like we mentioned at the beginning, and not being open to giving to God what we can to let him do his magic, to not being like that little boy who was able to help 5,000 people by giving everything he had, just questions to think about and to contemplate on.
0: Thank you, brother. And just to roll off of that, my invitation to all of our listeners is real simple. My invitation is let's start giving God our first on a daily basis. Let's start giving God our first when it comes to the first thing we do in the morning. It could be a simple prayer. One of the things I do every day is I'll listen to the gospel reflections on the USCCB website. Let's give God our first. When we go to, when we think of the weekends, let's first plan and prioritize when we go to Mass and making sure that our family is able to all attend, right? To bring our family to church. Prioritize that. Doesn't mean it has to be the first thing to do that weekend, but giving God your first even includes the preparation even includes just the thought of how we include and incorporate God in our daily lives. Giving God our first fruits, giving our family our first fruits, giving our spouses our first fruits, giving our church our first fruits, giving those who we don't know our first fruits. And again, this is not easy, but this is what all these readings remind me of today is saying that I will continue to provide for you. God is telling each and every one of us, I will continue to provide for you as long as you're willing to give what you got. And one of my favorite sayings, the only way to prove to God that you got it is to give it all back. Right. The only way to prove to God that you got it is to give it all back. Die empty. Like Brother Carlo was saying, whether you go up, whether you go down, that's my goal in life is to die empty. Like I've been given all these gifts, all these resources, and I can't take you with me. So I want to make sure that I do everything I possibly can to share that with my family, with my communities, with strangers, whoever I can. So the invitation is real simple. Look at your life right now and look at areas where you could make some adjustments and start putting God, your faith, as a a higher priority week by week, maybe just move them up the rankings little by little and just really ask yourself, what does it mean to give God my first fruits? What does it mean to be the little boy to give God or give Jesus all that I have, no matter how little or how much, and no matter what the quality is. And do I trust that Jesus will multiply that and be able to feed the masses? And what would life be like for you? And I don't mean that in a, Oh, you're about to be balling now. You're about to start cashing out. And then I like, how much peace would you have in your life knowing that you gave God everything you had, no matter how much or how little, and you trusted him with your gifts, your first fruits, and he's using it however he needs to use it to serve your family, your friends, your coworkers, strangers. That right there it goes back to Elisha, right? Yeshua. God's peace saves. And that's the goal. Just keep striving for God's peace. Whew. Yeah, y'all. Thank you all again. It's always a pleasure. Please... Faith family, if you're out there, share the podcast, take your time with this podcast. Brother Carla, Brother Jeremy, I am always in awe every time we connect and just hearing all of the different perspectives and the breakdowns. Elisha, man, that is so beautiful. Elisha, I don't know what that was. <laughs> but you uh, was breaking it down even Careful from... bro You might start spitting that Bro fire. I know I might start coming <laughs> out man to give The gift of tongues But listen To all of our listeners out there Yeah we Number 22 22 episodes in We are gonna keep going As long as there is breath in our body We thank you For, for just rocking it with us And again Share the podcast Rate the podcast let us know on our Instagram, at Blaise Ministry 707 If you have any questions or topics that you want us to talk about or specifically address, we are here to share what we know. We know that we still have so much more room to grow and so much more to learn, but we love being on this journey with you. So with that being said, as always, continue to pray for us as we will always be praying for you.
2: Amen. Amen. Bye. Bye.
0: <laughs> Peace, y'all.